0: Comcast rolls out its smart home platform, Apple gets artificially intelligent, and Key4Connects raises money for its elder care smart home solution. This is my conversation with Al Baker of Remo, all on today's smart home show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the smart home show. Today's guest is Al Baker, the CEO of Remo. Remo makes software that works with existing wearables that allow senior citizens and people in elder care facilities to interact with their surroundings. So we talked about this and the opportunity within elder care and assisted living for smart home technology. But first, we tackle some stories. I put out through the paces. We talk about some smart home news, and we hope you enjoy that. If you want to listen to more smart home shows, please go to technology.fm. You can find out where to subscribe to those. You can listen to them there. You can also find our news podcast, The Smart Kitchen Show, If you haven't subscribed to that, please do so on iTunes. I'd appreciate it. Today's sponsor is Jardin Consumer Solutions, makers of the Connected crockpot and Connected Mr. Coffee. Many, many other devices. They have literally tons of consumer-facing brands you've probably heard of and you probably use in your own home. And now they're taking intelligent technology, embedding it, and making things better. So check them out. Go to JardinCS.com. That's J-A-R-D-E-N-C-S.com. Jordan Consumer Solutions. Just a quick update. I will have other podcasts this week. It's a busy week. I got pre-briefed by a couple companies with news coming out, and I have a couple interviews coming up. I should probably publish those in the next few days, so keep an eye out for those as well. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Here's my conversation with Al Baker of Remo. Hey, well, I'm super happy to have Al Baker, the CEO of Remo, on the podcast with me today. How are you doing, Al?
1: Hey, not too bad, Michael. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we've... we've uh, known each other for a little while you guys uh, we connected in uh, in Austin or at least I connected with some of the folks from, from Remo in Austin yeah. and we've you know, we talked a few times on the phone and That's you great. guys have been doing some really interesting stuff around smart home kind of interfaces but you have a really interesting focus on senior care that we're going to talk about more exclusively uh, uh, later in the second half of the podcast but first uh, I'm going to put you through the torturous task of catching up on the smart home news with me you okay with that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds good and you know, one of the the first stories I want to talk about is this. Uh, there's two companies that have essentially have come out with uh, what I call universal remotes that are very smart home enabled. One is Logitech, and the other is Savant. And I think most people have heard of uh, heard of Logitech. Those of you, those of people who are steeped in smart home, probably know of Savant. And both these guys, I think, are seeing the universal remote as a, a way to kind of interact with the smart home. And I'd love to get your perspective because they, you know, finally Logitech announced their their Hub extender, which will really kind of un kind of untap their their remote to talk to Z Wave and Zigbee interfaces. And Savant uh, announced a, their universal remote to tap into the smart home. I think it's. Maybe a fairly smart thing, but I think it's maybe a limited market um, in terms of like how widely applicable it is. Um, what are your thoughts on that after my large and kind of rambling preamble?
1: I think it's very, very smart because there is go- there, that is already a place where people are used to controlling a lot of different you know functions in the home in terms of it scaling too far though i don 't know because you know just from a day to day perspective i don 't see a lot of people you know wanting you know, their spouse to bring the remote back up to their, you know, bedroom or just throughout the home to control different things throughout the home. Um, But in terms of, you know, turning on romance mode and get the lights set for the movie that you're about to watch. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that as well?
0: If we will focus specifically on Logitech and their Harmony remote line, I mean, they're a pretty well-known brand within the universal remote space. I think that, you know, their core audiences are people who use uh, home entertainment and home theater And they use their remotes to control all the different devices in that living room. And I think so, that's probably not a bad place to start. I tend to agree with you that I don't know if people want to walk around and control the entire house with the remote, but because people spend so much time in front of that TV and it can kind of act as their digital command center from the couch, it's probably a good starting point. And so, my feeling is, you know, they may be a little bit of a dark horse in terms of like, you know, we talk about all these other smart home platform companies like the winks of the world uh or you know or the the smart things of the world which are they're doing interesting stuff certainly but no one really talks about Logitech. and now if you take what Logitech has with their harmony smart home powered remote and their their hub they can essentially control all the z wave and zigbee devices in your house so i think it's at least a company to watch particularly cuz they have a decent brand name and there will be a certain segment of the, of the population maybe it's kind of tech forward leaning people who are home theater centric Say I want to use this. This makes a lot of sense for me.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Logitech is actually you know we've done integrations as a company with Remo uh, with Logitech Harmony remote. I mean they were like it, it spoke to their openness to the user experience. They know that it's not going to end with the remote, uh, and that's not going to be the only interface for everything. Uh, I mean, they, heck, they let another remote get onto their platform, so it was a it was a nice sign from them. They're extremely good. At moving units, um, Logitech you know sells all sorts of different types of devices and you know knickknacks throughout the world. So I have a lot of confidence in them being able to get into the market and get adoption. But in terms of really innovating on the on the experience, I'm I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, and it's it's an interesting. I wouldn't call it a departure. I think it's actually much closer to home because if you if you look at Logitech as a company, you know over the last five years they've tried some fairly. Drastic departures from what I would call their kind of their 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 knitting, kind of their core focus. One of them was Google TV, which ended up being disastrous for them, and I think was um, a reason why what their their CEO quit a few years ago. Is they did this huge bet on Google TV, and they just had a bunch of units that never sold. I think what they realized is we if we're going to do some interesting new stuff around connected home, we want to stick close to our our core focus, and that's. Universal remotes, at least mm. from a kind of an interface perspective. So I think this is something that will work for them, and it's not such a drastic departure that they're betting uh, the company on it, which I think – I wouldn't right. say they bet the company on Google TV, but they did bet a lot on it, and it, it took a huge hit on, th- on their earnings. So I think it's smart for them. Savant's a different case.
1: Yeah. Uh, you
0: know, I don't know if, how much you know about them because you guys are focused, I think, on kind of a specific part of it. But they're what I would call like a, a, a high-end smart home company, largely tailored towards kind of the CDN installer crowd – and they have, they've, they're really well known for their kind of very sexy interfaces. They have a great app. Um, and so they are they have kind of an Apple-like sensibility in terms of like their the quality of their hardware and the way it looks. Um, right. And so it's interesting that they're kind of going – this is – the the news really around Savant is it's their first DIY product that's going direct to consumer. They have always sold through the installer channel. So this is their first effort in that space. So if anything, it'll be interesting to see how much of these things they sell direct to consumers at a – pretty hefty price tag, which is 499 or uh, 500 bucks for yeah, 499 I think that's kind of in that dangerous area in terms of pricing because if you look at DIY, I think you kind of have to go lower to get a mass audience. Um, I don't know if they're really planning on getting a ton of folks. Maybe they're just hopefully maybe selling – planning on selling a lot of these into their, their install base already, people who right. already have Savant products and they just go out and get this remote.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it- – it's probably them capitalizing on the work that they've already done, which has been very, very successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I do know Savant, and they're a very premium brand. It's it's tough to talk about them in the in kind of the everyday smart home conversation because they've been so developed. They've almost been like the B two B of B two C. You know, it's been very kind of closed doors and highly premium. I, I uh, you know, I think it's them truly trying to expand their market share with a five hundred dollar. You know, self-isolationism I think is definitely going to be met with a lot of concerns. Uh, if they were bringing in a huge brand name that everyone knew, and they were you know, waiting for Savant to get into this market, like Apple, maybe uh, I think it would be a different story. But because they're lesser known of a of a brand name, it'll be a bit tougher for them to you know gain you know some market share just on you know, this highly premium experience. I mean, we've seen difficulties with people doing subscription models or even you know extremely cheap. Or you know cost-effective ways, you know which I think smart things is. I mean, at the end of the day, people have to do you know self-installation and home chores in order to get these things up and running. So you know it's tough to expect a lot in terms of you know pricing as well as even time to set up. So I think it's a part of a larger conversation, and you know I I, I think it'll be a cool market test to see if you know a premium premium experience can can grow this market because I think it's definitely needed.
0: Let's move on to uh, sure. Comcast. So Comcast uh, is an interesting company, I think, because they are the largest cable provider and they're interesting from a smart home perspective because they announced this year that they were basically going to be rolling out their own smart home platform. And this was, you know, if you're an industry insider or look at it closely, you know, this was uh, interesting because the cable guys had uniformly been using. iControl's platform. iControl, platform control. Yep. Yes. To power their smart home and security offering, you know, uh, Daniel Herso Kavitsi, I can I can never pronounce his last name. The general manager of of, of Comcast Murtum, yeah. uh played it very yeah. nice and from a kind of a a, a a political standpoint, and said, you know, we are con, going to continue to make Eye Control a key partner in our security going forward. But I, I have to think the writings on the wall a little bit. I think Comcast is trying to take more control of the underlying platform, and this is probably something that uh, eventually will maybe displace Eye Control.
1: You know. um it's funny. iControl Control is a partner, an integration partner of ours as well. It's funny we work to their Open Home uh, platform as well. I do think that there is going to be some major changes that do happen because of this. If it you know can get launched successfully, um, it could be a hedging of the bet, you know, for for Comcast or you know for their relationship with iControl. Control. You know, things don't go well with Comcast. They didn't completely throw them under the bus. Um, you know, to to speak plainly, I do think that you know Eye Control has a lot of assets in what they've built. It's a very, very robust system. And there are definitely pieces of it that are still very important uh, and could be very important for Comcast, I you know. I mean everything that happens in the background to run these systems is, is very comprehensive. And building it overnight is not an easy task. So you know iControl definitely has some assets that, you know, if they use it right, you know, they could be a part of the greater conversation with Comcast.
0: Yeah, and I think that you know iControl has obviously their own growth initiatives. They've started to focus more in on kind of small Uh, kind of independent security dealers. So they're definitely, and they've also gone into the DIY market obviously with their own security appliance. So I think they're going to be fine. I just think that Comcast, if you look at them, they're going to be an attractive partner for anyone who's making like a point solution for a smart home. Uh, So if you look Mm -hmm. at guys like Skybell who's been fairly kind of Promiscuous from a partnership perspective, as you probably should be if you're an kind of a startup. You know, they've they've partnered with them. They partnered with uh, with they're doing HomeKit. They're doing uh, other guys. So I think that's a good example of like someone who who you're going to want to partner with Comcast because they have a large install base of people who could potentially use your product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know that's. I mean, everyone's you know paying the Comcast bill, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean we're. We're already bought in, whether we like it or not. So I think they, I think they know that all too well uh, in a lot of different ways, and a lot of different parts of their business, and they're they're going to capitalize heavily on that.
0: So uh, one more question or one more topic before we move on to, I think, sure. senior living, which I think is an interesting here to dive yeah. in with you. There's a, I don't know if a lot of people didn't notice this. So it went a little bit below the radar, but uh, Apple actually did a, an interesting acquisition, what I would call an aqua hire, uh, yep. of a company. Um, that basically had artificial intelligence around image recognition, and so it was one of these things where they got a couple of genius guys who are really smart about this stuff, and they're now coming on to work for Apple. And this is part of a larger trend that I'm noticing. There's just you know been kind of a, a, a roll-up or an acquisition frenzy around people who can do um, image recognition, artificial intelligence around that. So apps. Anything with a camera can look at something and say, Okay, that is that is something like a face. Uh, we recognize this face, or that it can look at food and go, That is uh, that is soup, that's pizza. And that can then enable really interesting applications. And so I've been writing a lot about it from a kitchen perspective, as you know. We talked a little bit before the show about I'm doing the Smart Kitchen Summit. Google's dived into this. There's other startups like Smart Plate where it you know has a plate that can tell you what's on its plate. Because it has cameras on it, but there's the June Oven, which I think a lot of people yep. have heard of. Like, it could tell you that there's cookies is chocolate chip cookies, and oh, my, the way it might be oatmeal. Um, I think they said something like uh, they have like 25 different food categories they can recognize. Now, this is all using software and it's using artificial intelligence to do it. It's you know we've a lot of things we heard around about AI have been around the voice and kind of virtual mm-hmm. assistant side, so Siri, um, Amazon Alexa. All very interest, interesting, but I think a lesser focused area, a less, an area that people haven't been focused on as much, is around AI around imaging. And I think that's going to be a big deal. And I can see Apple actually utilizing this technology in the smart home in some way.
1: Uh, absolutely, I think if you look at some of the downfalls um, of you know, artificial intelligence in voice recognition, uh, a lot of it is you know who is talking. I mean, ultimately, you know if you're if you're Google, especially, um, and, and more so you know recently Apple. You're looking for as much data on individual users as possible. I mean, they, that's what they ultimately are looking for. And if you can start to determine who's talking to Siri, you know what their habits are, what their maybe even their state is at the time they're asking, um, you can start to pair together a lot more uh, comprehensive ideas to what this person is doing. And obviously, I mean, I could you know riff on it if it's Apple coming out with an Alexa or, or Amazon Echo competitor or an Apple TV you know, TV actually with a camera it or something like that. It could, you know, add in some functionality like that. But I think ultimately, once you can start to determine who or what is in this, you know, frame of reference for control or asking, you know, what you know, what, what day is it, you know, Siri, there's a lot of, you know, inferences that you can begin to build um, to really make it a much more comprehensive, you know, I guess, system. You know,
0: one of the things I, I just have been thinking about a little bit lately is so every every big tech company well not every big tech company but certainly google and at microsoft have an imaging or a camera play now i think if you look at apple all their image sensors or essentially cameras are on their devices but they don't have like a drop cam they don't have like a connect but i'm just wondering if like maybe a new category for them could be something around that that goes beyond just the cameras in their phones or their iPads. It might be something interesting to watch. I think that could be like a category for them where they could do fairly well. Um, it's just the question is do they want to just empower their partners, um, their hardware partners, or do they want to do that themselves? That'll, that'll be something interesting.
1: Yeah, maybe it's uh, a new iPad that's uh, 42 inches and it has <laughs> yeah. a stand and it sits in your living room yeah it watches you all day the one know. that
0: it, you stick to the wall
1: <laughs> yeah there you go yeah, i mean it's very real i mean if you look at all the the kitchen cameras kitchen uh tvs i mean they're all quite small that could be their next play mr what? mr smart kitchen summit
0: yes yeah. mr smart kitchen summit let's yeah. talk about kind of something sweet uh kind of in your sweet spot um or sure. something kind of close to your heart and that's uh, using smart home technology for elder care. It's something I've written a lot about. Um yeah. and it's something that you guys are focusing on. We'll have we'll have a, let's talk a little bit about a piece of news and then we'll kind of uh kind of pivot and talk a little bit more specific, specifically about what you're doing. I do think this area is getting more and more attention. Um and I think we're part of it's uh due to the fact that, you know, there's a, an array of technology, IoT or smart home whatever you want to call it. And we're kind of in the, the phase of the market where just having kind of a being a, a, a kind of a horizontal IoT or smart home play may not be enough. You may need to focus a little bit. So I think you're starting to see a lot of the startups kind of do that. One of them is called K4 Connect. It's a company that um, is, is, has largely been operating in stealth uh, for the past year or two. Um, and they just announced that they got funding. I think one point four million dollars. Their their founder is, uh, his name is Scott Moody. He's a, a former Apple guy, well known in that space. Um, so I think this is interesting that they're basically creating, um, uh, you know, a software product and a team that does installation. They go into senior homes, senior living facilities, and basically, kind of, for lack of a better word, pimp it out with technology.
1: I, yeah. So I, I think we have, we've spoken to them uh, as well. I mean, we love what they do. Uh, so I, I think the, you're absolutely right. The horizontal, you know, the infrastructure, the rivers and bridges have all been built. We're starting to see the towns kind of form around certain ideas and, and topics. And senior care is one that's, been, one that's been grossly, I guess, underserved so far. So to see, you know, a team come out and actually say, okay, let's just start, you know, we, we can start, you know, installing, creating a software layer with these different devices to bring it all together. I think it's a great, great move. Um, I, I'm not sure what their greater goal is. Uh, it sounds like they're they're still, f- from at least just what you presented, what I've read online, it's still fairly um, horizontal in terms of what their goals are in terms of this market. Um, but they've picked a market to go horizontal in is kind of how it seems to be positioned with me. I'm not exactly sure what they're hoping to accomplish. Yeah,
0: it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit fuzzy, but I think the way I, I think they're describing themselves is like a software system that powers uh, kind of an installation of, of kind of intelligent intelligent systems to enable assisted living. So I think they also have an integration yeah. place, so they'll go in and actually do like a system integration and like a you know a number of like I think this the first contract they have is around like forty or so assisted living facilities. So um, sure. It's, so it's a, it's a combination of like technology, but also like kind of installation and management, and so um, th- that isn't necessarily like to me a sexy technology business that you'll hear a lot about on the tech blogs. But I think it's an interesting one, yeah. and Kind of maybe one of those that you don't hear a lot about, that, but that ultimately does well because it's focused and there's a need for it.
1: I would absolutely agree. I mean, you're talking, to, you're speaking my language. Um, I think they're going to do very well. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a it's an area that you know, it's a misnomer that you know seniors. And people who support seniors do not like technology. They're afraid of it. Um, the fact of the matter is that most technology that's shoved at that market isn't well positioned. It isn't well installed. Um, and it isn't really provided in an empathetic way. I mean, heck, a lot of the technology that's given to seniors is like the iPhone and I can't get up. And it doesn't actually provide a, a social or personal utility. It's really just uh, hey, wear this. So, you know, I feel less guilty. Or, hey, you know, you should... Put these fall sensors in your home, so you know we know if you fall. It, it, it doesn't really help them in any way. So if you can you know, eliminate that barrier and you know, help you know smooth that out, you're going to see a lot more adoption and embracement of that of this new technology that's coming out. That's actually pretty really pretty cool and pretty easy to use, actually. So I think they're to something, and you know we're we're looking forward to to seeing how you know they you know, help pave this market with us.
0: And that uh, provides a well-architected segue. You see how I did this? Like I had this story as the last one, which we teed you up, Al, to talk about what Remo's (laughs) doing. Yeah. Remo (laughs) is now, or it kind of is focused on uh, taking uh, your technology, which is around interaction and kind of interfaces and using it uh, in the senior and assisted living side. So talk about what you guys are doing, what your product is.
1: Yeah. So I'll, A quick intro about us. I mean, our company's name is Remo. We were formerly known as PlataBase. But we got started a few years ago, actually, as my co-founder. His dad had had two strokes back-to-back. So he couldn't use one side of his entire body. So he was immobile and couldn't get around his home very well. So it was a huge emotional and financial burden for the family of of wondering, you know, is dad okay? Should we hire someone to go in and and live with him? Um, He's actually gotten up and and, uh, suffered a couple falls. And that sent him back to the hospital. So this is these huge issues. And, you know, they're, they're finding hot spots of like, well, it's just everyday activities for him, you know, controlling the thermostat, turning on and off the lights, you know, talking to the TV and doing, you know, things like that, going to the bathroom. So we found, you know, is there a way you know, that we can provide a, an interface for someone that can move around their home very well, can't speak very well, um, can't use both of their hands Um, to interact with the different devices in their home. So what we did is, you know, we created a wearable-enabled solution. And essentially what it is is a a point-wave-your-hand interface uh, for different devices throughout your home. I mentioned, like, lights, locks, thermostats, um, you know, speaker systems, basically anything that's on the common smart home platforms today. And, you know, we got started. uh, We went through Microsoft Ventures Accelerator, worked with their team to build out this software platform that integrated with, um, like, the... Uh, SmartThings, Nest, Logitech, Harmony Hub, um, iControl's open home platform, and then we parlayed that over to the wearable side. I mean, that the wearable market grew up very, very well for us, um, so we were able to bring it on to Android Wear and Microsoft Band even, and the Samsung Tizen platform and Apple Watch OS. So we had this you know um, hardware agnostic way to you know, enable people that had limited mobility to live more independently in their home and enable the people that are caring for them to monitor them throughout the day, so where we're at now, Michael, is you know we've successfully been able to you know hone down you know which platforms we're we using and be able to provide assisted living companies with a way to both monitor what people are doing throughout the day in their home, uh, the, especially these people who are at risk of falling or moving to a higher level of expensive healthcare in our wonderful U.S. healthcare economy, and then um, on top of that, give a more empathetic and more user-friendly way for people that are living independently and hoping to do so for longer, a way to interact with their home on an everyday basis. You have all the modern conveniences of a smartwatch, obviously, that we've you know, simplified and made much more digestible for them, but also improved the way that they can interact with different devices throughout their home. So now everyone gets the, what they want, you know, the people that are on the hook for making sure that uh, grandma and grandpa are staying safe in their home, but also making sure that grandma and grandpa are receiving you know something that actually improves their daily life. Instead of detracts from it.
0: What are some of the challenges around creating an interface um, for uh, elderly people? Because I would imagine there's a, v- a huge variety of like limitations and, and variations you may face. You know, someone may have Parkinson's and you know have kind mm-hmm. of you know, be very shaky, or someone may you know have you know loss of uh, use of like certain limbs or, or whatever. I mean, that, that's an extreme case, but right. talk about some of the things you guys are k- kind of finding as a challenge as you're trying to create this interface layer for folks in elder care situations.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've uh, we've been fortunate enough to, to take some d-school design thinking, um, you know, coursework and, you know, implement it as a company. So we've, the, the biggest piece of this is just taking the time to listen and actually talk to populations of uh, senior citizens and the people they care for and their families. So, you know, getting past the barriers of, you know, what is technology to you, what is most annoying about it, what are your perceptions of it? Um, can you tell me a story of when you actually really enjoyed, you know, a technology in your life, you know, or when you really were annoyed by it? And taking the time to understand that and synthesize it into something that can be used on the other end for them. So, I mean, some of the early challenges I think we faced, frankly, was assumptions. I mean, I've got grandparents and, you know, our our team is of various ages and they've, you know, put their parents into homes or their grandparents into you know assisted living communities and you know we've all had our preconceived notions, but until we took the time to begin doing the work and getting in front of these folks and giving them our technology and saying you know tell me something I don't know you know tell me a story about you know what you like or don't like about this technology or others that's when you start to get those insights that are really really make a big difference
0: and so in your in the scenario of using a remote technology you guys would go on top of like an, an, a commercially available at retail smartwatch yeah. uh, or some sort of wearable that because you guys have integrated with a variety of them you, you mentioned android wear and then and because of that you're able to take advantage of the kind of the economies of scale of like consumer grade products from the, the Samsung's and Microsoft's microsoft world versus having to build your own piece of hardware which is a, a vastly different and probably more diff- uh, herculean task if you were to build yeah. your
1: own, you know, what's funny? You, you're kind of you know bringing it up. We we actually began um, early in 2013 building our own wearable. I mean, this was before really any of the wearables that I mentioned were on the market. So it was kind of out of a necessity. We're like, you know what? We could really use a wearable. Oh wait, you know, 2014 rolls around, and now we have you know you know millions of them. So it, it's uh, you're definitely right. The the scalability we found um, both in the interface of these wearables. The comfort of them, the industrial design that companies like Samsung, you know, and you know Apple have taken to make these actually approachable and comfortable is huge. I mean, they are absolute experts at that and making it scalable. And what we've done is, unfortunately, you know, much more software-based and much more scalable in that way. So now we're able to, you know, create the, the business-to-business relationships with these hardware manufacturers to create a new beachhead to go into this market that's been. largely underserved underserved by consumer-grade technology.
0: Well, as people know from the podcast or my own writing, I'm a big fan of kind of uh, leveraging other folks' kind of investment. And I talked a lot about how smart – or I think wearables have been a very difficult market for a lot of startups, particularly, and as has smart home if you're creating hardware. So I think this is probably a a more sustainable model, one that probably other startups should think about (laughs) because I do think – I if would suggest that for me. Yeah, particularly at this phase in the market. Uh, yeah. I think it's a smart way to go. So Al, thanks for kind of sharing some of the lessons that you, you've learned. And uh, where, yeah, can be, where can where can people find more find out more about Remo?
1: Well you can uh, you know you know see a little bit on our website that's being currently revamped at www.getremo.com. Uh you can follow us at get remo. You can follow me at Al Baker M N. Uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, you can find us pretty much anywhere on Google as well.
0: Yep. And Remo is spelled R-E-E-M-O.
1: That's right. Cool. All right. Hey, thanks, Al. Thanks a lot for the time, Michael. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Well, that's my conversation with Al Baker. I hope you enjoyed it. Al's a great guy. Check them out. Go to GetRemo.com. You can find out more about them there. Once again, stay tuned for podcasts coming out this week. I have a couple really good ones talking with some companies and some CEOs about some new products they have coming out that I think you should find interesting. If you're a listener of the show, do me a favor, subscribe to The Smart Kitchen Show. We'd appreciate it. Give us a good rating in iTunes. Appreciate that as well. All right, folks, that's it for today. We'll talk to you soon.